kind of story they are going to write and they they design the, the characters the plot and the setting and then after they make this their decisions they they need to go back home and do more discussion on how this, the, the storyline will develop and the promise is whenever they want to start a discussion they have to drag me into this group so that I can get involved in their discussion so they control when you're going to be part of the group yeah 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 yeah, yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to this episode of the ELT Upgraders podcast with myself, JC, and we have Mr. Jakey Whidden here in the studio with us. How's it going, Jake? Wonderful. Yeah, what's been Beautiful going on? Day. Having a really great time. Yeah, as, as always. Shanghai. Tell you what, I was watching a recording of you doing a, a session recently oh, yeah. uh, on a very interesting topic, I think which will be the topic of today's podcast. What was that all about? Yep, up in Beijing, we did some sessions recently for the Macmillan Education Upgrade Days. We had Jim Scrivener and Anna Hasper, who's another trainer out of Dubai, very interesting, look her up. And I did one on a, something that's very dear to my heart. Which is? Learner autonomy. Fantastic. So, how to foster learner autonomy. All right. So how's this podcast going to unfold? What are you going to be talking about in terms of learner autonomy? We're going to talk about three things, with the, sort of the why and the what uh, of, learn, of learner autonomy, and if there's a structure for it. And then the idea of choice, technology, and mm. Maybe a little bit on using meta language, so that's in the classroom. And lastly, what will be the role of the teacher if all of our students are learning autonomous? So let's kick off with uh, the why. Why learner or autonomy? For me, Jake, mm. learner autonomy sounds absolutely fantastic. Mm-hmm. But I think when it comes to teachers actually integrating it or understanding and then integrating it into the classroom is a different matter. So, yeah. firstly, why? Why is it important? Uh, you know, it's not. It's not a new thing, learner autonomy. But I'm into this idea of what are we doing in the classroom for out of the classroom? Mm-hmm. And I think the why. I can let me tell a story. It's easier. So. I remember teaching back in Wuhan six, seven years ago, and I was teaching some teenage students, and, you know, they'd come for two hours a week, and then I'd see them the following week, and they were worse than they were the week before. They'd Mm -hmm. forgotten some of the language. They were still making some errors, and what sort of got to me more is they hadn't learned anything in the week that we'd been away from the class for. So at first I thought it couldn't be me because... I'm such an awesome teacher. But then I realized it was me. I wasn't really developing them to be able to keep learning out of the classroom. It's this idea that they're only in, the, they're in your classroom for two hours and we kind of get students, what are you going to do to be ready for my class when it should be the other way around? What are we going to do in class so they keep learning so when they come back to you, they're better than they were yeah. the week before? So you say it's just more, of a, more than just homework? Because often homework was traditionally the one that yeah. was... Uh, between that class and the next class, that was your sort of bridge. Um, but obviously, it sounds like it's more. It's more than just. Yeah, I think homework, homework is about just practicing what you already did, right? It has that connotation. It's sort of repeating what we did in class or consolidating what you did in class. But that doesn't mean you've learned anything more. And if you've had a whole week, 160 something hours, surely you could have picked something else up. So it's mm. about developing strategies in your students to to let them keep going 
forward with their language once they leave your classroom. So would you say the essential ingredient here is teachers knowing what learner autonomy is and basically yeah. how to integrate it, <laughs> exactly. right? Exactly. So should we, should we dig a bit deeper? What you know? What is learner uh, autom- autonomy in a, in a nutshell? In a nutshell. So there's lot, lots of definitions floating around. I'm sure if you look it up, you'll see all these models. There's models from Cambridge, models from Oxford. There's models from Harvard. But the one, I like the simplest definition, and this comes from... Macmillan Online Dictionary? No, it doesn't come from Macmillan Online Dictionary at all, actually. It comes from a guy named Phil Benson out of... Uh, Benson! A teacher at a place in Hong Kong. But what he, talk, what he just sums it up in a very simple sentence. Autonomy is the ability to take control of one's own learning. Mm-hmm. To take control of your learning. As opposed to things like... I've seen ones that say things like learners are totally responsible for decision-making. or But it's not about that. It's not the teacher is... The student is doing everything for themselves. No, the teacher still can be there, but they have control over their life. Yeah, how would you sort of define sort of control further? Is there like a structure or a framework or something that teachers can use? It's a good, it's a good question because I think people like having frameworks, structures, or, or models. Because once you have that model, you can then use that model to rely on for decision-making. So, yeah, there, it's hard to find one, but I have, I can talk about one right now. Yeah. A model for the idea of autonomy and language learning and how either students are controlled by this or you, as a teacher, can affect the control of this. Okay, so if we're going back to that definition, autonomy is the ability to take control of learning. What things affect that control? So there are three things Benson puts into this structure of control. Number one, the psychology of learning. Two, the learning behavior. And three, the learning situation. Now, John, what would you choose to talk about first? I'm all about psychology, me, Jake. Yeah. Good choice, John. It was nice to see you making a choice for where we were going next. See where we're going here. So the psychology of learning is something that uh, teachers do really well, actually. If, we, if I observe classes, or I'm sure same with you, John, when you see teachers around Asia, this is all about how do you motivate the student, how do you lower their effective filter, how are you aware of the cultural background that is affecting their psychology of learning, is there a different way of learning in different countries, and also the beliefs and preferences. and. They they do control the learner because if I'm in a culture that says don't put your hand up and try, then you need to be aware of that as a teacher that this is a control over their ability to be autonomous, okay? But teachers are usually really good at this. They're good at motivating. They're good at making students feel comfortable. They're good at making students feel like they can have a go, in, in language schools especially. Do, what do you think? So what was the question? <laughs> do you think that the teachers are good at that? Because I, I would say out of all the things that do with learning autonomy this psychology of making them feel com- kids feel comfortable mm-hmm. and motivated and having fun, like they don't feel afraid to try, right? That's the psychology of learning. Teachers are pretty good at doing that. So an example of that might be, uh, so say for cultural background, it might be that in your culture, that student's culture, they don't want to lose face, right? They don't want to put their hand up because if they lose face... They put their hand up, they might lose face, and then they don't. So that's controlling the way they are learning, right? They're not 
They're not truly autonomous over wanting to answer because culturally we don't put our hands up because we might lose face. Do, how do you think a teacher, do you think teachers deal with that well or they don't deal with that well? Actually, that, that was one of the things that Jim, Jim Scrivener did in his session. What did he say? That the, the learning begins with a, a mistake or, or something, yeah. something like that. So you can actually, if you create that environment where making mistakes is okay, mm-hmm. um, you know, if um, he was calling it sort of one-to-one one, one sort of teaching within mm-hmm. a large group, so he might choose a sort of volunteer to model a sentence or mm-hmm. something like that. He can ask other other students how they felt about that sentence, yeah. how they could add to that sentence, and yeah. things like that. And but that's up to the teacher to create that environment, to create those kind of um, activities where they all uh, feel safe, secure, safe and secure. Um, yeah. Actually, it might, might might be worth just defining that. You mentioned that effective filter. F- filter. Just for those that don't know, what, what's that one all about? Yeah, that, the effective state is when a student arrives into class. What are the factors affecting how they're going to learn? Right. So it could be a simple, it could be just how was their day earlier in the day. It could be if everyone's sitting in in rows and the teacher's very angry that that's going to affect their confidence to want to learn. It could be their background of learning, how much learning have they had before. But all these things affect the, maybe it's almost like the confidence they're going to have to learn in that class. So we, we lower effective filters by encouraging maybe music. We have more f- a little bit more mm. fun. We might have songs. We make them feel so comfortable that, that that outside forces are not controlling them, right? So mm. that's about learner autonomy as well because if there are things affecting you, you, you won't learn as well. Mm. Mm. Okay. No, fascinating. I think we've probably talked all day about the psychology yeah, yeah. of learning so and move, stuff. Yeah. What was the second point? One of the L's. The, so the there's learning L's. behavior or learning situation. Let's go for the learning situation, Jake. Oh, that's interesting. Good choice. So the learning situation is the things like the school environment. So we call it the study environment. Uh, The study mode. Is it online? Is it with a book? Is it blended learning? Uh, The resources, so the materials they have. The topics that that are chosen, because the students don't usually choose the topic. It's usually a textbook doing that. Um, And the method of inquiry. And also, even I mean, just the schedule, the time that you're learning is not controlled by the student, is it? And all these things affect. And, and the biggest one is the assessment because, you know, we know here in China we have the Gaokao, which is the big test, but you can't control that, right? So all these things are the situation that control, take, well, take control away from the student to be able to learn autonomously. And the, the, the big question is, can we affect those as teachers? We'll come back to that. Good point. I'm, I, what I've got in my head is um, those, those teachers that say, oh, we don't have time for all these kind of learner autonomy things. We have to teach for, for the exam. Mm. But if they integrate all these areas of learner autonomy into their classes, you can have a positive uh, effect down the line on the, uh, on, the, on the exam as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. And <laughs> it's a scary thing. It's sort of... If I'm going to hand over more powers to my students, oh, but maybe it won't work right now, but it could have that effect further down the line. Mm. Actually, out of interest, uh, you don't have to answer this now, it could be another one, but mm-hmm. I mean, are there lots of, sort of studies and things like that on learner autonomy and how it affects, has a positive effect uh, on exams or something that hasn't been proven yet? Or No, it hasn't, and people, I mean, there might be, and if you do, please email us mm. at eltupgraders.com or comment on our Macmillan Education Asia website. Mm. But no, 
and there, there's not much research done on your... There is, there's research done on things like learning stations and giving the students more autonomy over tasks, but no, not on how it affects assessment. Yeah. And it would be interesting. There, Maybe must, there, there must be something, must be something. <laughs> behind it, right? Because yeah. learner autonomy... I remember doing my, um, whatever, my, my master's, and that was one of the modules, and it's... Uh, but the, the, current, the years before, they didn't have it, so it was something that knew that was coming in, so it's yeah. obviously something that's being integrated more it's becoming more topical yeah. it's very trendy now yeah. so i wonder what it was that really sort of triggered it and um and we should but it, i wasn't going to mention this now i'll mention it at the end remind me to come back to teacher autonomy mm. the idea that well how much autonomy do you have as a teacher mm-hmm. and maybe that's why people don't do it because it's mm. scary to mm. to not teach the, for the test right because mm. maybe i won't have my job so yeah, yeah. But the the idea for this this podcast is just little little, little thought tips, provoker thought provoker little yeah. steps that you can start integrating yeah. to start changing yeah towards so, a more autonomous classroom yeah right? so that's the uh, learning situation and what's the third one Jake well John you can choose between learning behaviour and learning behaviour. I think I'll go for um, learning behaviour, Jake. Mm -hmm. This is the one that I'm most passionate about because I think it's something we can do things with. So if this is the behaviour of your student and you can change behaviours in students, that's really our job, isn't it? Changing behaviour. So these are the thinking skills, the learning strategies, self-organisation, the communication skills. Do they have self-assessment abilities? Can they set their own agenda? Uh, will they talk to other people in the class? Will they collaborate with other people? All the behaviours that will help them acquire or learn English. Mm-hmm. And we can integrate these kind of areas through sort of practical sort of tasks in the in the, in the classroom. Or yeah. do we have like a a syllabus of these kind of skills that we can integrate? I mean, how, how where, do, where do we start? Yeah, so, I mean, look, as we said, this is a massive topic. So this is just to uh, to, to spark you up, and soon. I will do another podcast just on thinking skills and learning strategies because mm. that's huge. Mm. Um, I've, I've attached a list and you can have a look. But even just with uh, thinking skills, it's as huge as things like uh, prediction, creativity, critical thinking, comparing, evaluating. But by doing all those things in class, you're actually handing over more control to the students, right? Yeah. And then for learning strategies, it's uh, the list is... is Exhaustive. Is it exhaustive? What's the opposite? It's not exhaustive. It can never be exhausted. <laughs> Exhausting. Uh, yeah. So the aim, the, the aim here is just to give them those sort of crucial skills so they don't need the teacher. The teacher teaches them those skills mm. or develop them themselves mm. so when they're not with a teacher they can continue yeah. uh, their and studying. You're right? probably already doing some of them. Things like note-taking. Note-taking is a learning strategy and it's giving power to your student. You don't sit there telling them what to write. Uh, again, whether they like to work individually or collaborate with other people. Um, just repeating words in their head. Maybe some students like to do that. Some people need to say a word 21 times. Developing prediction in them. Mind maps, recording on your phone, highlighting sentences. Some students like doing practice tests. I hate, when I was doing my diploma, I hated doing practice tests. didn't make me better. Some people are obsessed by doing practice tests. But it's making them aware that which one they want to they want to try. Rephrasing, doodling, uh, dictionaries, and my favourite one is procrastinating. It's for me. I need to procrastinate to learn something. I need to wait till the 
last minute and something has to be and I need an outside force almost mm. for me to be able to do it but I'm aware of that yeah oh you mentioned the dictionaries as well and I think you interviewed someone who talked a little bit about using the yep. phones we'll for dictionaries in the yeah. classroom and mm-hmm. that'll be interesting to hear from her as well mm. so that's it that's the big three and they are can you remember them John it was a PLL Psychology, <laughs> learning John, situation. John loves an acronym. If you can just put it into an acronym, it'll make it it'll make it more memorable. PLL. Yep. Psychology, PLL. learning situation, and then learning behavior. Maybe it could be PSB. Psychology, situation, and behavior. The PSB. Yeah. Or yeah. PBS. Yeah. BSP. Anyway, they're the big three. <laughs> So yeah, we talked a bit about sort of um, yes, yeah, sort of s- studies and things of the impact. And but what about sort of research? There must be a lot of research on learner autonomy. Any anything that we can share to our audience? Uh, yeah and no. But I just recently did some research. And Congratulations! What I thought was I found this. I just did it on different learning behaviour, and I asked three very simple questions: Is the concept clear to you on one of these learning behaviours? Do you think it's important to develop this? And do you have opportunities to develop this? Mm-hmm. And I won't get into it all, and I'll, I'll post some results below this as well, if you want to have a look. But the idea was, yeah, people were, weren't willing to say that the concepts weren't clear. So no one said the concepts weren't clear. But what they did say was, on the whole, people would say they strongly agreed that these concepts were important to develop, but and overwhelmingly said they didn't have as much opportunity to do it as they felt that they would like to. Which brings us on to this point of teacher-learner autonomy. Mm. <laughs> so do teachers, because we talk about do the students have learner autonomy, but that's affected if the teacher has autonomy to be able to help them have autonomy, mm. right? Mm. Which is what we're trying to spark some ideas in for you. How can you can take more control over your teaching so your students can have more control over their learning? Definitely. Is it time to chat to a few teachers and see what they're doing in the classroom? Would that yeah. be a good point? Love to. Let's hear from Nicole here. Nicole, can you just introduce yourself? I'm the former director of uh, teacher training department of uh, FLTRP, mm-hmm. and um, now I'm starting my own project and yeah. with uh, a big local school. And then you mentioned another project you do with eight students uh, that you teach directly. Mm -hmm. And you you mentioned that they're very autonomous. Can you just tell me some of the things you do with them? At the beginning, they were just little children. And uh, because they, I think it's basically because they love English and maybe the way I'm teaching make them to love English more. And um, I I asked them to do a lot at home. And uh, I don't like talking a lot in my class so um, I give them different tasks for example my students can't have my class without a mobile phone because they need to use dictionary to check the word I don't explain any single new word in my class Mm -hmm. I let them I let them check online and they have their own vocabulary bank Mm -hmm. they have the word the the definition and uh, the use of the vocabulary they share with each other and Mm -hmm. I even ask them to um, as homework they will uh, develop uh, a vocabulary quiz for others to kiss Mm. So they base they they develop the the, the the quiz 
uh, based on their vocabulary bank, and because they they have different vocabulary bank for for their own, so they have to study lots of words at home so that they can get a better、uh, score doing other people's quizzes.、Mm-hmm. So I I don't need to do much work by doing this. How did you get them to take responsibility for that own learning? What what are you doing in class that that they realize they have to have control over that? Every, I think it's it's like usually students may think that teachers love giving tests, but if we give this power, this right to them, they are quite happy to take this role to be a little teacher and to test others. Yeah. Yeah. So just you just need to know what they feel like to do. For example, reading.、Mm-hmm. So to encourage. To encourage them to read more, so I I give them a book list, and they they make their own choices. They choose their own books, and they they write a book report.、Mm-hmm. I give them guidelines about how to write a book report, and、um, next time when they come, they will have to share with others to introduce these books. And if after your instruction, other people feel like to read this book, then you are successful. So and they make brilliant、um, uh, reports. I can show you some pictures. So these are the books I recommended. Do they choose the book themselves, or do you suggest the books and say you have to choose this one? They can choose their own books. Like like one student choose choose one called the Ink Heart.、Mm-hmm. So、um, I give them suggestions.、Mm-hmm. They most of them will choose from these books,、mm-hmm. and they can choose their own books to to、uh, to read. And so they write book reports like this. And then what did the student have to do? They write. They write a book report.、Mm-hmm. This is a short version.、Mm-hmm. So after showing me this, she said she will hand in this this、uh, report to the school. Before you were showing me some interesting ideas you use with WeChat accounts, and can you just explain what that is? That is a writing project.、Uh-huh. So we have a writing class together. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you have to pair up and decide what kind of story you want to write. So it's all your own ideas, but you have to agree with your partner and you have to develop this story together. So they, they do it together. Yeah. Okay.、Mm-hmm. And、so、then what do they do with the WeChat? They talk about the storyline,、uh-huh. what kind of characters they want,、uh-huh. and、uh, how they want the story to develop.、Okay. And are you involved in that process at all? I'm involved in the in the WeChat groups,、mm-hmm. and I I, do, I don't do much honestly because、yeah, I can't I I can't do many thing things in that group because it's their own discussion, yeah, their stories. Can you tell me more about it?、Uh, I can show you some of、uh-huh. their discussion. So they get they got into auto. Who is a cow? Is female, and she is pregnant. She, her eyes are really beautiful and has eye contact, and she can't feel feel things entire body so clearly. So, so what was the student doing there? The students are 
talking about the storyline. How how the it's a crazy story about、uh, traveling in in a cow. Okay, and how does that help you as a teacher? Do you listen? Do you listen to what they've said on the on the WeChat? Yeah, I listen to their ideas,、uh-huh. but basically they they need to write them down too. They、okay. need to write down a summary of、okay. their ideas and、Great. bring it back to the class, and then they write. Awesome. Uh, Nicole, it's been really good to talk to you because you're using some really creative ideas with not just technology, but you're letting these kids take control of their learning. You're integrating reading, writing, speaking, listening all together.、Mm-hmm. So it's really nice to see that's happening, and I hope we can uh, uh, stay in contact and invite you back again. Thank you. That was Nicole from from Beijing. So, yeah, what kind of areas do you think we can sort of pick up from what she was saying there? What are the sort of the key the key things there that we can sort of pass on to to other teachers? Do you yeah,、think? it was great meeting her because she she I had interviewed her before I did my session, so she had all these ideas that I was going to do in my session, but she sort of reconfirmed, reinforced that they were good things to be holding on to. So the the two big ones for me that she mentioned was choice. And、uh, using technology. Did you notice that she was talking about letting the students sort of choose the book they want, or they could choose when they were going to be doing their posts on their WeChat?、Um, WeChat is just an online social media thing in China, similar to Line and.、Uh, What's the other one? WhatsApp or something. WhatsApp, yeah, similar to WhatsApp.、Um, she let them choose who they were going to work with, or she let them choose if they how they were going to do their book reports. And this idea of choice is, if you can just remember one thing from today, how can I create more choice in my classroom for my students? So some other really simple things is whenever you're doing a final task or you've got a presentation to do, hand over the choice. Well, one, let them choose more of the topic and things.、Uh, let them choose how they're going to do it. Do they want to make a video on their phones? Do they want to make it a poster? Do they want to do it as a play, a speech?、Uh, do they want to just write something about it? But if you're giving that choice to them, they're going to be more engaged and wanting to do it, right? Yeah, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. So I think I think I mentioned this in our first podcast, but、mm. my first teaching experience was in this village in Nepal, and under、uh, hundred kids teaching just content which had no relevance to their life,、yeah. but which was just dictated by the、uh, the exam basically. And so I was teaching this one lesson on on dinosaurs, so they're pronouncing these ridiculously long dinosaur names like Diplodocus, Tyrannosaurus Rex,、uh, Stegosaurus.、Uh, And even there, their English was so low. They're like, "Why am I doing this?" and、uh, has no relevance. So, we ended up just sort of bringing it back to their own, their own life, sort of personalising. You know, which what type of dinosaurs do you see every day? Well, exactly, yeah, yeah, yeah. Or which 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 dinosaur would best describe your sort yeah, of personality yeah, yeah. and why, or something? Yeah. And,、uh, Personalize, yeah, massive one. There's always a way. There's always a way back、uh, to personalize it. I think, yeah. So giving them the choice for the task, and the one that I don't see a lot of people doing, but I love, is letting them choose the group size. We sort of had this obsession of saying, okay, everyone in pairs, everyone in pairs, everyone in pairs, or everyone in threes. But why not say, okay, you either have to be in a two, a three, or a four. It's up to you. 
you guys choose and they will choose and they do it very quickly mm-hmm. and then they get some ownership over wanting to work with their best friend or something because that's okay but sometimes it's okay so I've got one more have anyone seen a choice menu no Jake but I'm really excited to hear about you it you are it's the coolest thing I've ever it was pretty cool I was in a classroom in Taiwan and I saw this this teacher had 40 students big class for Taiwan actually and they had a board with nine uh, let's say nine squares on it and each week they, they would do English every day they had to finish the nine squares and the squares were you can draw it say it uh, act it out film it write it debate it work alone whole class or question mark mystery right and all they had to do was say each group or each person in class had to get through those nine different ways of doing the thing they were going to do but it gave them the choice right so they'd have to come up and put their sticker on when they'd done it and when the whole board's finished and everyone had done all nine they would then do another start again and it's just called a choice menu so nice to empower the students to be able to think how am I going to do this task because the languages are still the same but how they got to that task or they did their output it was a really nice way of doing it I'm in Taiwan next week maybe I can uh, find that teacher and uh, find out a little bit more about that activity mm. that, sounds, that sounds I know you should look them yeah. up so that was a lot of stuff on choice So I've got a little note here. Jake wants a quick rant oh, about no, technology. Oh, yeah, sorry. Is that what it says? Yes. Okay, good. That was a lot of stuff. Yeah, really? Cool. Uh, yeah, we'll do Rant that. away, my man. Rant, rant away. A uh, lot of people afraid of using phones, iPads in the classroom. Okay, a lot of PLSs have adopted using iPads in the class, and they put some content on it and say, go students, and everyone at the same time does the same thing not very autonomous and it's not very natural. Then I hear a lot of other academics debating you shouldn't use mobile phones in the classroom for kids or teenagers or adults because they distract from the learning. What do you think? (laughs) Um, I've got my own opinions on technology in the classroom. If If it can be used in an effective way for for learning, an effective learning tool, Mm -hmm. uh, then why not? Mm. Uh, Some schools have policies, you know, with no no mobile phones. Mm. That's something that needs to be discussed as a a school. Um, But repeat, if it can be used as an effective learning tool, then then why not? Yeah. And, (coughs) sorry. So what I was going to say about that was, it's really funny because you have all these teachers and they spend half their day on their phone. That's where they get their knowledge from and they share ideas and they collaborate and they probably have some creativity. All these beautiful traits for learner autonomy and then they tell their students, you can't do that in the class. So I'm going to argue differently to John and be quite strong to say, no, you should integrate it into your class and if you're not, you're actually inhibiting learning in your class if you don't do it. Have an opinion. Write to us, eltupgraders.com. ELT upgraders at macmillan.com and tell us what you think. Because you heard Nicole talking there about what she's doing with phones in the classroom and how doing that has handed over all this power outside the classroom and also bridges a bridges the link from her classroom to the students at home. So lots of positivity there. You're right, you still have to control how they're going to do it, but why not? And remember that your young learners are probably more digitally literate than you will ever be. 
no matter if you get better by next year, they're already going to be better than you. So by not incorporating what they're already better than you at, you might be not giving them the best chance and best learning opportunities. Yeah, I'm uh, going back to opinions. I'm all for something called information literacy as well. Yeah, right. Um, helping um, again, it's developing the kind of skills for the 21st century, like uh, researching skills, using the correct search engines. Uh, safe searching as well. We can be teaching all these uh, great skills, which they can take uh, away with them, and you know, continue to research uh, about their studies, awesome. their lesson outside of the classroom. And um, uh, we can we can post a few little links or um, uh, sites um, where teachers can go to have yeah, a look cool. at how to integrate more information literacy into their classrooms. And stay tuned in late December for the podcast that we have on using technology in the classroom. Well, do we? Yeah. Oh, I'm excited about Remember that. when we recorded that in the future? Yep. Yep. Remember when we recorded that next week? Back, back to the future? Yeah. Uh, just remember, though, guys, that technology is just the tools that we use, and if we can encourage the use of more tools to learn, then why not? So, just... That's choice. That was technology. And the final one is... The teacher, the teacher yeah, themselves, so you guys, the role of the teacher. And I think some people get a bit afraid that if, if all of our students were so such autonomous learners, then you would never need a teacher, and I don't think anyone is saying that. They're saying that as a teacher you can enhance that. So in, in your mind, looking down the line of the future, at yeah. what point will the teacher be taken out of the classroom? Never, because... And there'll be like a, a robot or some virtual teacher or something like that. Do you, no, do you envisage that? It's, no, I don't, I don't envisage that because they say that the students... There is some research, and I'll try and find it to post a link, that says the, the most autonomous learners end up choosing to have a teacher. That's, and that was from the guys in Hong Kong that saw that because they do realise they need that connection with the teacher and someone who can help support them or coach them or or develop them to do that. Maybe not all of them, maybe some of them will just go onto a computer and do it, but I still think there will be a role of a teacher. What's interesting though is who will take on that role? Will it be the local teacher, or will it be the, the international teacher when it comes to language learning? What do you think, Jay? We're gonna have a session on See, that, aren't we? We are. At some point as well. But just start to think about that. If you're a local teacher out there, how can your role be diff- changing if, if, if learner autonomy is a big thing and developing learner strategies why not be using your L1 to help encourage that and, and, and explain to students how they learn because if they have the language of learning they'll be able to learn in a better way good stuff Jay no, incredibly deep and tell you what you know, you're pretty George Orwellian man yeah <laughs> and I think all these topics I coming out so myself. I think we've got all our podcasts for next year done already actually done. with all these uh, all these topics uh, arising from conversation yes so that was learner autonomy just a quick recap yep. uh, what's the big three for today <laughs> the big three of the structure or the big three of uh, what we talked about uh, the structure okay so for the structure remember guys it's looking at the learner behaviour the learner situation and the learner psychology and, and the other three the non-big three the non-big three would be the idea that learner autonomy is about control and what you can do is give more choice in the classroom not only one but that's all I'm going to leave you with get more choice into your classroom good so what's your choice for tonight then Jake uh, it's Friday night so I'm choosing to leave the office and uh, go home Fantastic. Awesome. Will there be any technology involved? Uh, yeah, I'll probably read uh, an article on the way home of my choice from an app of my choice. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. You are Mr. Learner Who Autonomy. Who knows, I might learn something too. 
Guys, check out the links below if there's anything you want to look at more. Please email us if you have anything interesting to talk about learning autonomy or you want to get involved in doing some experiments in your region. I can reach out to me because I'll be very willing to talk to you about doing that. Uh, Check out onestopenglish.com, but you won't find much on Lunar Autonomy, but it's still a great website. And, as always, make sure you check out MacmillanEducationEditor.com for instant videos, small talks, and other cool ideas. Brilliant, Jake. All right, from me, JC. Cheers, guys. Mr. Whidden. Peace. Have a great day. Bye. This podcast was brought to you by Macmillan Education Asia and the ELT Upgraders.